There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. We're taking over. Huh. And say this confession of faith together. Because I'm unconditionally loved by God and at harvest, I come to God as I am. But through today's life giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet. In Jesus' name, remain standing. I want you to go. I want you to go here. I want you to go to Psalm 144.1. We've looked at this verse of Scripture already, but we're going to take it from another angle today. Say another angle. We're in our series already won. Every battle, every problem. Every battle, every problem. Psalm 144 and 1. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. Now, sometimes you only find out he's the rock when you hit rock bottom. And so to everybody who felt like you at the bottom, well, touch your neighbor and say, you're just meeting Jesus. Sometimes it takes great loss so that you can discover that when you hit rock bottom, he's the rock that's at the bottom. I dare somebody to shout for what you lost. Because it introduced you to Jesus in a way that you never knew him before. We can shout about what we get, but shout about. Bless be the Lord, my rock, who trains or teaches my hands for war. Look at your hand. Notice he didn't say to look cute. He didn't say to have an easy going life. He said these hands were made for war. Now just move your fingers, move your fingers, move your fingers. And these, what does the scripture say? These are meant for what? Battle. So watch this. To everybody, look at me church. To everybody who say, I just want peace. I'm just so tired of fighting. I'm just so tired of having issues. I'm just so tired of having challenges. These hands were made for war and these fingers are made for battle do me a favor introduce today's message to somebody say neighbor stay suited and booted for battle i try the other neighbor say this ain't rest time say stay suited and booted for battle Father, speak to us now over these next few moments that we will move and walk in what you've ordained. This series already won. Every battle, every problem, it's already won. Equip us today as we stay suited and booted for battle. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. As you know, church, we're in our series, what? 
already won every battle, every problem. We just have to walk out what Jesus worked out on the cross. And in this series, we're focusing on the everyday battles we face. And a battle, in case you don't remember, is a fight or a struggle to achieve or resist something. And today's battle is staying suited and booted for battle. In case you don't know what that phrase means, it means to be dressed smartly for the occasion. Uh, you need to understand every day is a battle. And the, since every day is a battle, I don't have any time to take any day off. I don't get rest days from battle because every day is a battle. And these hands, Psalm 144 said, were made for war. And these fingers were made for battle. So here's point number one. I'm already in the meeting. The message here it is. Stay ready so you won't have to get ready. Uh, I need you to touch your neighbor and say, stay ready so you won't have to get ready. The issue we often have is that we have one victory and now we think we can just pull over to the side of the road and party for the rest of the week, party for the rest of the month. And when I say party, we let our guard down. Here's the issue. That's why you keep getting caught off guard with life. You keep getting caught off guard with life because you had to get ready instead of staying ready. See, you should have known what was coming after you. You should have known what was coming after your bloodline. Bishop, how do you know? It's been the same doggone thing year after year after year after year. You've been facing the same issues. This ain't new. You've been dealing with this year after year after year. You've been dealing with the same snakes on your plane year after year after year. Why do you look so concerned and so befuddled about the battle? Just let me say, don't act brand new. Daily battles, daily battles. We think of the big ones, but there are daily battles. These are our defining battles, and all daily battles can be summed up in becoming better versions of ourselves than yesterday's. And the way we do that is through self-discipline. Say self-discipline. Now, it's going to get quiet right through here, but watch this. I think about uh, the men and women of armed forces. You can see we got some stuff up here. It looked real good up here. I thought this was real for a minute. I said, y'all distressed it real nice and all of that. That looked good. But, but now watch this. Watch this. Say daily battles. Watch this. Soldiers have to be self-disciplined. Uh, they have to be disciplined. And you have to discipline yourself. Watch this. So that your circumstances nor your God will have to. When you don't self-discipline, your circumstances will. When you don't self-discipline, sometimes God will. Would you just lay your hands on yourself? Say discipline yourself. In what areas, Bishop? Well, here it is. There's three areas. First John 2.16 says, for all that is in the world. Here are the three areas you have to have self-discipline. Say, if I stay ready, I won't have to get ready. Here are the three areas you have to have self-discipline in. He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of your problems are summed up in those three areas if you don't discipline yourself. The lust of the flesh. The flesh says, well, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to act. I don't feel like this today. The problem is, didn't nobody ask you what you felt like? The game is scheduled. You're going to have to play, so you might as well win anyway. Would you have had your neighbor and say, stay suited and booted? See, watch this, the lust of the flesh. Lust just means strong desire. So when he says lust of the flesh, initially most people think of sexual things, but lust does not mean that. Lust just means desire. He means my flesh desires to do so. What's my flesh? It's my default nature. See, your flesh is lazy by default. 
your flesh doesn't want to ruffle any feathers by default. Your flesh doesn't want to confront by default. Your flesh doesn't want to have tough conversations by default. Your flesh just wants to run and hide by default. Your flesh wants to tuck its head and run by default. Come here, Adam. Your flesh just wants to run away from God rather than run to God. He says, your issues that you're facing in life is because you let your flesh do what it wants. So since I'm offended, I ain't going to church today because the lust of the flesh has not been disciplined by you. Because you're, I'm not saying nothing. Because somebody didn't say hey to you, now you're leaving the church. Are you crazy? People don't say hey to you at work. And How dare you sit up in here and treat the church different than you treat folk on your job? Why do people out there get treated better than the people of God? Not in this house. Lust of the flesh, then lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes means envy. Envy means I see what you got and I want it, not knowing what you paid for it. You'd be happy with what you had if you knew how expensive what somebody else had to pay to get it. See, people see your glory and they start lusting with their eyes, but they don't know your story. They don't know that you had to cry yourself to sleep. They didn't see you when you were eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They didn't see you when you was at the bottom. They see you at the top, but they didn't see your struggle. Lust of the eyes. I see what somebody else has and I want it. You love your wife if you wasn't on Instagram so much. You love your husband if you wasn't on Facebook so much. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I came locked and loaded today. I got a week off, so I... You love what you had if you wasn't looking at what somebody else had. You take good care of your car if you didn't spend all your days on uh, Broadway. Car dealerships. Are you here? You love what you had if you could discipline the lusts of the eyes. Envy. I want what somebody else has, yet I don't know what they have to pay to get it. It's quiet, church. Then the pride of life. Pride of life. Pride, the root of pride is shame. So what he's saying is, if you don't discipline your shame, your shame will, watch this, your shame is going to turn into a Frankenstein called pride. Now you do know Frankenstein killed its creator. Watch this. Pride will turn on you and then kill you. Pride says, pride says, watch this, I've got to, what did Adam do? He ran away from God because he was ashamed of what he did. Then he responds to God with pride. Rather than humility, which says, God, I was wrong, pride says, actually, it's your fault. Let me tell you how you know you got some discipline issues with pride, and we all face them, and if you say you don't, you're a liar and you're prideful. We all do. Me, myself, touching the put everybody, hands up, hands, feet, toes, fingers, hands, earlobes. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. He was ashamed of what he did. So because he was ashamed of what he did, he responded in pride. And pride blamed. It was somebody else's fault for why his life was the way it was. It was his mama's fault. It was his daddy's fault. It was the man's fault. It was the system's fault. It was this fault. It was their fault. It was somebody else's fault except taking responsibility. You know you have discipline issues with pride when you won't take responsibility. It's always something else, somebody else. So you'll say, I acted that way, but they made me. Can't nobody make you. You're giving people way too much power if they made you act some type of way. Touch your name and say, that's too much power for one man to have. 
So those three things keep you the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life from becoming a better version of yourself. And here's the truth, church. We battle them daily. That's why Psalm 44.1, what's it says? What's what it says? Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains or teaches my hands for war. Say these hands are made for war. And my fingers for battle. Say these fingers are for battle. Now, we use our fingers and hands every day and virtually everything we do. So what's the point of the text? The point is stay ready so you won't have to get ready. So when a crisis strikes and a battle shows up, you don't mess up because you were ready to battle the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If I stay ready, I anticipated somebody acting crazy. So when they act crazy, I'm like, oh, well, that's okay. I was still suited and booted. Y'all not saying nothing to me. If a financial issue shows up, you don't get scared. You say, I'm a faithful giver, so I'm suited and booted. I'm not worried about that. Y'all, I'm not saying nothing. If you have issues with your children, if you stay ready, you won't have to get ready. So when they start acting up, you're going to be like, now look here. I already expected you to come. So you got about 34 seconds to get all of that together. You keep getting shocked and surprised by battles because you didn't stay suited and you didn't stay booted. Suited in, booted. Suited in, booted. Suited in, booted. Here's what you do. You want to just go home and get comfy? Ooh, I'm so tired. Ooh, child, I want to just relax. So then when a battle shows up, you got to get out to bed, go get dressed. Y'all not, you're not, you're, you're missing the point. You're missing my point. Touch your neighbor and say, stay with Bishop. You got to get dressed. You got to do all that because when you get the call, when you get the battle, when you get the crisis, you weren't ready, so you had to get ready. But I think I'm preaching to some people at this 915 that say, I'm going to stay ready so I won't have to get ready. Let's go. I stay ready so I won't have to get ready because these hands were made for war and these fingers were made for battle. You still here? This happened to David. David wasn't ready. In 2 Samuel 11, 1, you know part of this story because it involves David and Bathsheba who was taking a bath. 2 Samuel 11, 1. Now it happened. Watch this. This is prophetic for you. Prophetic. Forthtelling, foretelling. Say, this word is for me right now. Talk to me like an army. Say, this word is for me right now. How do I know? Read the first line. It happened. In the spring of the year. Be a good church. It's not winter anymore. It's not fall anymore. It's not summer anymore or yet. It is spring. And what's supposed to happen in spring? Kings go to battle. All of what's been going on in your life ain't catching God off guard. He said it's springtime, and that's when kings go to battle. Well, Revelation 1-6 says he's made us to be kings and priests, which means these hands are made for war, and these fingers are made for battle. It's springtime. I said it's springtime, which means it's battle time. First, then it happened. See, some of y'all be like, I just seem like, yeah, it's spring. That's when kings go to battle. Now, it happened in the spring of the year. This is even prophetic for me. If I checked the last several springs, I had to deal with some of the same challenges. 
And up until this verse, I like what was going on. He said, that's when kings. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. What was David? King. What should he have been doing? Battling. Watch the verse. David sent somebody. He sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. And when you call yourself not being where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, talking about I'm tired of fighting. It's quiet. Verse 2. Then it happened. Why did it happen? Because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. That that evening, after listening to some Isaac brothers, David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. What'd he do? He looked at her and said, she's sure looking mighty fine. But he never would have saw her had he been. Watch verse 3. David had game. So David sent and inquired about her. David didn't step to her. He asked about her. And somebody said, ain't that Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? This verse teaches us several things. I got to move quickly. She's married. She's somebody's daughter, which means it's off limits for you, David. And Uriah's one of your mighty men. He's one of your soldiers that gives his life for you. So don't even try this one, king. Unless your pride makes you think. Look at me, church. Unless your pride makes you think that you can break the protocol, break the system, break the order, because you couldn't do this to this married woman. She looks nice, but you can't touch. And in fact, if you were out to battle, you wouldn't even saw that she looked nice because all the rest of the men were out there fighting. So, of course, she was taking it back. She wasn't doing wrong. She was just doing what she had the right to do. Ladies, y'all already know, let all the kids be gone and let your husband be gone. You be in the house taking your bath. Oh, ladies, do not look at me with that tone of faces if you're unfamiliar with what a bath is. And you used half that bubble bath bottle, half of it, half of it for one bath. Got bubbles all over the thing. Looks like a bubble factory. Come on, this moisturizing me. And the water's on just short of hell. Steaming. Gonna put on a candle. Come on, I'm relaxing. Bathsheba was relaxing because Uriah was gone. And David shouldn't have been there. So she wasn't wrong. Because often when the story's told, it's like she was seducing him, like... She didn't know she was being watched. Don't have time to deal with that. Verse 4, then David sent messengers and took her. What made him take her? 
his pride. And she came to him, and he laid with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. Then she returned to her house. David had a one-night stand with Bathsheba. He said, now go back home. Don't tell nobody. Keep this on the down low. Nobody has to know. It's between me and you. Verse 5. And the woman conceived. David was like, ain't no way. It was just one time, Bathsheba. Because pride makes you think. You get to change the rules. It's quiet in the church. And the woman conceived. So she, so she sent and told David, hey, king, you might want to be seated for a minute. See, you got to be careful how you set stuff up to tell people. Because all that just, you, you might want to take a seat. Now I'm mad. I want to stand up now. You say, don't overreact. Well, I'm getting ready to because you, you shouldn't have said it that way. Because I have any witnesses. If people set you up like that, now it's like, okay, now, now, now. Man, you, okay, just say it. And she tells David, I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. The story gets very messy after this. Because David, because he didn't operate with self-discipline, i got to wrap this up, because David didn't operate with self-discipline, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, what ends up happening for David is David now is trying to cover this up. So several things happen. He tries to, essentially, he tries to kill Uriah. He tries to have Uriah to lay with his wife so that he could pretend like the child was actually Uriah's child. And then eventually, eventually Uriah is killed because David puts him on the front end of the battle. So essentially David murders the man by order, all to cover up something because he didn't have self-discipline. As a king, David should have gone to battle. Instead, an internal battle caused him not to battle. So he faced another battle that was more brutal. When you're avoiding the battle, you're going to face another battle that's more brutal. He already had beautiful wives, but he didn't appreciate what he had. But there was another daily battle he'd been battling his entire life. It was from rejection. He had been rejected by his daddy, Jesse, when he was a 16-year-old boy out on the, uh, shepherd's, uh, in the shepherd's field dealing with the sheep. And his daddy didn't invite him in the house because he didn't think he was good enough. So for the rest of his adult life, he battles rejection. And he goes from relationship to relationship seeking affirmation to compensate what he didn't get from his daddy. But it was never enough. It was never enough. I'm talking to somebody where you got so many people you talk to and you're still unsatisfied. You've been in every type of relationship and you're still unsatisfied. Why? Because it's not enough to compensate for what it is that... And if I had time to work it, I'd work it. But the issue is, is he was battling. Somebody holler, he was battling. But why didn't he just go to battle with the other kings? Because none of this happens if he's not home. It's hidden in the text, 2 Samuel 11 and 1. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when the kings go out to battle that David sent Joab. Now remember, this is the same David that rushed to fight Goliath and was a man of war. But he started slacking in his discipline. Watch this when he started winning. When you start winning in life, you will sometimes begin to slack in your discipline. 
Which is why sometimes you'll say, why don't I get victory anywhere? It's because God says, if I give you victory, you'll start slacking in discipline. Watch this, which means sometimes God says, you need a struggle because a struggle is the only thing that keeps you disciplined. It's the only thing that keeps you sane. But it's time for you to graduate from that type of living. I said it's time for all of us to graduate from that type of living. Touch your neighbor and say, don't slack because you won. Somebody says you did a good job. All of a sudden now you start slacking. You stop doing what it took to get what you got and you want to keep it. It happens in marriages. You looked fine when y'all got married. Okay. Oh, 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 oh. It got real quiet in the church right there. You were real communicative when you got married. That's what you used to get them and now you don't talk. It's quiet in the church. Faithful serving is how you got that job. Now you're working and can't serve. That's why you're going to lose that job. Why? Because the books, I wish I had a church in here. The book says, the book, the book, the book, the book. When he started slacking in his discipline, it's because he started winning. I'm the king. I don't need to go out. I'll send somebody else to do it. I got some money in the bank. I'm good. I got a car now. I'm good. Things are good now. I don't need that discipline. I don't need to be faithful to church. I'm good now. I needed God when I was at the bottom. But since he pulled me out, I'm good. I'm going to take a few Sundays off. I just need some time. And God says, take all the time you want because there's a second Samuel 11 coming to get you back in order. Oh, God, I wish I had a church in here. And his servants with him in all Israel. Because we're answering the question, why didn't David go to battle? Say, why didn't David go to battle? Don't y'all get quiet on me because it's real. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. Now, now watch this. Ammon in Hebrew means people. So now we see something else hidden in the text. Why didn't David go to battle? Number one, because he started slacking in his discipline when he started winning. Number two, watch this. He didn't want to deal with the people of Ammon. Ammon simply means people. He got sick of dealing with people. I can relate. He got sick of making people better. And they didn't do nothing but betray him. He got sick of being loyal to people that were disloyal to him. He got sick of making others greater while he was left to pick up their messes. And besieged Rabbah. Rabbah means great and powerful. Check it out. But contentious. David said, I don't want the fight. I don't want the contention. I don't want to have to deal with the strain that's going to come with new gain. There's some stuff you know you already need to do. You're like, that's just going to take so much. I'm going to do it next week. So you procrastinate and procrastinate and put it off and put it off. And that's what David was doing. David was like, I'm, I'm going to do that next week. Because it's great and powerful, but it requires contention. I got to fight. There's a great and effective door open for me, but there are many adversaries. And I don't want to deal with the adversaries. I just want to look at the door. I want to shout about evolution time. I just don't want to evolve. I want to shout about being my banner year. I just don't want to do nothing different. 
I want to say that I'm the head and not the tail, but if I'm the tail, oh well. I, 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 I want to shout about how great my God is. I just don't want him to show himself great through me because that's going to require contention. You still here? But David remained. Where did he remain at? Jerusalem. Where did he stay at? Jerusalem. What does Jerusalem mean in Hebrew? The city of peace. What did David say? I just want to have peace. Think about your number one prayer. Lord, just give me peace. That's why you don't have it. I just answered somebody's prayer. Lord, when am I going to have peace? You're not. Because these hands were made for war. And these fingers were made for battle. He'll give you peace that surpasses all understanding, but it doesn't mean what you deal with will be peaceful. And here's what you really want when you pray for peace. You just really don't want contention. You just want to go through the day, wake up, somebody brings you your coffee. You walk out, your clothes ready to go. You walk outside, the car's ready to go. You get to work, they say, don't do any work today. Just enjoy, take the whole day off and just go enjoy yourself because this company ain't got no ground we need to take. Just enjoy yourself. Just have a great day on today, on today, on today. <laughs> you just want your children to say, God bless you, mother. The Lord is with thee, great woman of grace. For the Lord thy God spoke to us while we were sleeping and told us to come and bless thee on this thine day. You just want to check the bank account and be like, more money, more money, more money, more money. Then you want to just go have a nice lunch. Y'all not saying nothing to me. You want to have not one, but two loaves of the free bread. And if you ain't saying nothing, you're exactly who I'm preaching to. Check your role. Your neighbor's face is looking suspect. Look at him and say, Bishop is preaching to us. Their faces are looking a little suspect. He didn't want pursuit. He just wanted peace, which is why he couldn't have it. Watch this, because while he was pursuing peace, he made a mess. You missed it. While he was just trying to have an easygoing day, he made a mess of a life. Because the first child they had, the prophet said, he has to die. He said, David repents, please God, please don't let, my, don't let my child die, God, I'm the king. God, it was an accident. God said, I don't care. You should have went out to battle, and you didn't. And now you didn't got this chick messed up all in your stuff, and you killed one of the best men you had working for you. All because you didn't want pursuit, you wanted peace. King David didn't realize that every day was a battle to be better than yesterday's version of himself. So he wasn't suited and booted and he lost discipline. He didn't want the strain that new gains required because of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Which is why, church, we got to stay suited and booted. 
And I got to rush through this because I'm out of time. Watch this. If you don't stay suited and booted, life can catch us off guard. That's the second point. And we can wonder why is this happening. But the French have a, a saying, uh, uh, c'est la vie. Say, c'est la vie. That means such is life or life is so. Here it is. Who told you to put your guard down? Who told you to do that? Who told us not to be suited and booted? Let me tell you what one of our biggest challenges is. One of our biggest challenges is we think that there's some day we don't have to battle. I just want today to be a perfect day. I just want today. I'm tired of fighting. All my life I had to fight. I've been fighting since I came out the womb. I fought to get out the womb. Then I fought the doctor to stop wiping me down. Wipe me down, wipe me down. Then I fought, I fought, I just been fighting. These hands were made for war. These fingers are made for battle. Which means every day that's what the game is. Say every day. That's what the game is. Now watch this. Here it is. I got to go through this real quickly. Ephesians, Ephesians 6.13. We got to go through it quickly. I'll have more time at the next experience. Ephesians 6.13. Say, stay suited and booted. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day and having done all to stand. Say, evil day. Evil in Hebrew and Greek, it means contrary to. It means when the day is against you, you need to know how to stand in that day. Here's what most happens for most of us is that the day comes against us and then we just fall back. But from this moment forward, you're going to fall forward. Uh-uh. No more of this. No more of this. Just this. I dare somebody to make it a prophetic gesture. No more of this. Just this. I'm not falling back no more. I'm falling forward. Stand. Stand. That means to stay disciplined and don't bow to the pressure of the battle. Stay disciplined in what, Bishop? There's five T's. I'm going to teach them to you until we get them. Five T's. Number one, time. That's church attendance. Number two, treasure. That's faithfully giving your tithes, offerings, first fruits. Number three, that's your, uh, that is your testimony, inviting people to church. Number four, that's your talent. That's serving in church. And number five, that's your thirst. That's your prayer, praise, and worship. Get the CD because I went quickly. Say, I got to stand and stay disciplined. See, that's how you stand is staying disciplined. Verse 14, stand therefore. Here it is again. He says, you're going to need to learn how to stand. That means stay disciplined. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. When you wear a belt, a belt keeps your pants up so it prevents embarrassment. It's called the belt of truth. Truth is the word of God. You need a word to guide you through that you stand on. There's a difference between truth and facts. Truth is what the word says about it. Facts are what your circumstances say about it. See, the facts may say that you don't have enough money, but the truth is because you're a faithful giver, my God shall supply all. The facts may say the doctor says we don't know what this is. The truth is they can't figure it out because it's gone anyhow. Y'all not saying nothing. Truth trumps facts all day long. Then he says the breastplate of righteousness. They'll show you the image now. The breastplate of righteousness. Say that's his righteousness. Say that's his righteousness. Now this righteousness now is not your righteousness. It's his righteousness. What is righteousness? In right standing with God. Which means when I receive Jesus, I'm in right standing with God. Which means I'm not going to God based on how perfect I've been. I'm going to God based on how perfect he was and is and will continue to be. Verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's that mean, Bishop? We walk in what we listen to. The reason it's different, difficult for you to walk in winning is because you're listening to a bunch of stuff that's making you lose. You listen to the morning show. The morning show ain't got no answer. I ain't against it just telling you it ain't got your answer. You got to listen to these life-giving messages like they're Tic Tacs. You got to pop them like they're Tic Tacs over and over and over again. 
Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, say above all with you which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints here it is I got 45 seconds to get it to you I want you to look at verse number 16 because this one's the one that packs a punch say above all taking the shield of faith say shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Here's the trip about wicked one, because you immediately think, ooh, the devil. That's not what the wicked one means here. This is where we shout real loud, church, because i got to close it. Say wicked in Greek doesn't mean the devil. Greek is the language of our New Testament, so most people say, ooh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to fight the devil. You are not fighting the devil. You are not that important. Think about this. The devil's not omnipresent. So it's arrogant of us to think that all of hell is putting its efforts on you getting a flat tire. Touch your neighbor and say, that's pride. Yeah, that's pride. You mean out of all the stuff hell could be doing, it's coming to mess with your Comcast bill? Touch your neighbor and say, don't, don't, don't be that prideful. And then say, don't give the devil that much power. Here it is. And here's where we shout right through here. It says the wicked one. That word doesn't mean the devil. Oh my God, here's what it means. It means to be lazy. And tired of the pain of giving labor. He says the fight you're going to fight is when you get lazy and you get tired of the pain of labor. But I came to stir up a glut. I came to stir up a gladiator in here. I came to stir up a warrior in here. You better quench those fiery darts. This ain't the time to sleep. This ain't the time to lay back. This ain't the time to give up. This is the time to fight because these hands were made for war and these fingers are trained for battle. So we got to stay suited. I'm done. Here it is. Here it is. I gotta quit right here. You can be seated. The heads bowed, eyes closed, all in this place. If you never get Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.